Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, questions continue about vaccination targets, despite news that Pfizer will ramp up the delivery of vaccines. As of now, the government of Canada anticipates receiving 444,000 doses weekly for the first two weeks of March. And for the reminder of March, we expect to share numbers with the provinces as soon as possible. We are on track to receive 4 million doses by the end of March. Green Party leader Annami Paul will run again in Toronto Centre. There is no question that uh, there may have been some safer places to run, but at the end of the day, this is the community where my heart is. This is the community that I want to stand and fight for and be the champion for. And COVID-19 means some voters in Newfoundland and Labrador will have to wait to cast their ballots. I know there was a lot of anxiety and stress around uh, voting in person, uh, particularly with the increasing numbers. Um, so I think uh, this is a welcomed pause, uh, one that we uh, were hoping to hear. It's Friday, February the 12th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief, Althea Raj. Good morning, Althea. Good morning, Mark. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about the latest on vaccines. It looks as though Pfizer is going to ramp up distribution in Canada, but there are still a lot of questions about how quickly we will receive vaccines and how quickly they will go into the arms of Canadians who are, some of them, getting impatient. So what's the latest? Yeah, so uh, every week now the government is holding what they're calling technical briefings, uh, giving reporters and the public a vaccine update. And yesterday, Major General Danny Sothain, the man who's in charge of uh, seeing the delivery of these vaccines to the provinces so they can administer them, announced that uh, Pfizer is going to be delivering 440,000 doses of its vaccine in the first two weeks of March. Basically, uh, I guess the headline, if you will, coming out of Thursday was that the government is on track to meet that 4 million doses of Pfizer by the end of March and 2 million doses of Moderna. But it will mean that, you know, provinces who haven't had many vaccines in the last couple of weeks, uh, in some cases, no vaccines, um, will have to ramp up uh, the, you know, jabbing people in the shoulder with needles uh, if it if we're going to like meet that threat, that that benchmark. So 440,000, uh, that's just the Pfizer for the first two weeks of March, and then 888,000 of both Pfizer and Moderna combined. So uh, in every week in order to make that 6 million doses deadline, that's a lot. So, I mean, it's, it seems far-fetched to think that uh, those those doses will find themselves into people uh, in that time frame or shortly thereafter. But um, I, it looks, well, at least the Major General is um, confident that the government is on track to meet that commitment. How soon Canadians will get it, though, I still, I, I would say, question mark. Yeah. And, and how soon Canadians are vaccinated and whether there is a period where it ramps up and we start to catch up to other countries in terms of per capita, vac- capita vaccinations um, could be quite critical, depending on whether there's an election this spring or not. And the election itself might yeah, depend on that, right? 
That's a good point. Like Aaron O'Toole on Thursday had a speech to the Vancouver Board of Trade where he talked again about how Canada is slipping internationally and really drawing those criticisms those comparisons, Canada versus the rest of the world, versus Israel, versus the UK. Um, and the provinces themselves are getting impatient and frustrated. We saw yesterday that Brian Pallister, the premier of Manitoba, announced that he is spending two million, uh, sorry, he's buying two million doses of a vaccine that actually hasn't even been approved by Health Canada and uh, hasn't finished all his trials. It's just in the first phase of his trials. So the vaccine actually won't be ready until next year. But the premier is talking about it as an insurance policy. Um, this is a vaccine that's going to be produced in Calgary. Um, but I think it speaks to how uh, there's in the, the premiers are getting impatient with yeah. Ottawa. Maybe there's a lack of trust uh, between the provinces and the federal government. Um, but it is it is interesting. And of course, as we're hearing about more variants and the possibility that. Even if you're vaccinated this year, you might need to get vaccinated again next year uh, after the, the vaccines are tinkered with to adjust to the new variants. Um, you know, maybe Manitoba will end up needing those vaccines that come in in 2021. Hmm. 2022, we're already in 2021. Yeah. It's, it's All right. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> All the years seem the same. Um, yeah. So uh, speaking of an election, a Green Party leader, Annamie Paul, announced yesterday that she will run again in Toronto Centre in the next federal election, whenever it is, which is an interesting announcement. Yeah, so a lot of people were caught uh, somewhat by surprise with this announcement. I mean, there are possibly Ms. Paul could have gotten uh, Elizabeth May to step aside and run in Spanish Gulf Island, which is a safer seat for the Greens, or maybe Paul Manley's seat also on Vancouver Island, or maybe even in Guelph, where there is an Ontario Green MPP. But instead, she's choosing to run in her home riding of Toronto Centre. She made the announcement on Thursday morning with her family, saying that this is where her roots are, but also basically attacking the Liberals for failing to meet the needs of the people in the area. She talked about uh, precarious work, about the lack of housing. This is a riding that has been in Liberal hands for more than two decades. Uh, it was Bill Morneau's riding. Now it's Marcy Ian's, the uh, CTV um, morning show host, uh, who's now a Liberal MP. Um, it's a gamble, but if it pays off for Ms. Paul, it will be a big boost to her profile. She's basically trying to replace the NDP as the alternative to the Liberals. And we know that Liberal voters who uh, have a penchant for voting green um, are not afraid to vote green uh, when they feel like that's not, you know, like the future of the government may not be at play. Um, and so it is an, it is an interesting strategy. Uh Risky, but big rewards, possibly. Mm. And I said the only other thing, Mark, that I want to flag is that in her announcement, she never actually mentioned climate or the environment. Uh, she really focused on an income inequality message. And you can see, again, that the Greens are really targeting the NDP support on the left. Very interesting. All right. Uh, speaking of elections, there's one that's happening in Newfoundland and Labrador. And because of the coronavirus, it means some voters will have to wait to cast their ballots. The election is scheduled for Saturday. Uh, mm-hmm. But I guess uh, this could have an impact on when we find out the results. <laughs> yes, that's true. It's like they're having half an election, Mark. Right. Um, so the chief electoral uh, officer on Thursday, I've never seen a letter like this, basically um pleaded like tried to paint the picture like there's nothing i can do 
all of these poll workers are calling in sick. I myself need to sell, like the, the chief of the girl officer here talking, that he needed to self-isolate um, because of the surprise um, second wave in Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, and so about 18, voting in 18 districts has been suspended. And what's interesting is no new date has been given. So I think that that uh, is a point of contention. We heard the opposition leader um, really make a, a point about how this was shocking and outrageous, and basically calling for the election completely to be suspended and to voters to go to the poll at another moment. Uh, probably the takeaway, though, is, you know, are there lessons here for the federal liberals who are eyeing a spring election in the middle of the second wave? Maybe this will give uh, pause to some of the people who wanted to go sooner mm. rather than later. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, whistleblower legislation, uh, legislation to protect people who uh, raise concerns about what's happening inside government. Uh, we're expecting some developments on that soon, and I know this is a story that you've been following closely. What's the latest on that? Yeah, thanks for indulging me on this, Mark. So I think that most Canadians are probably shocked to discover that there, are, in very, very few industries, is there actual whistleblower protection. So unless you work in, like, the Securities Commission, and uh, but you're overseen by the Ontario Securities Commission, for example, um, you basically have no real uh, protection. The best protection is available in the public service, and it's basically all modeled on federal law. And the federal law has been denounced basically ever since it was passed um, in 2006 and enacted in 2007. There are enormous loopholes. I'm going to give you one example, and then I'll tell you what the, what the news is. Basically, um, if you allege wrongdoing and then you get fired or demoted or what people in the public service here call put on gardening leave and you appeal... Uh, there's something called the Public Sector Integrity Commissioner who's supposed to review your case. Well, he hardly ever uh, agrees to investigate a case, and then he hardly ever agrees to allow you to go to basically public service court, right. a tribunal that will decide whether or not you were the victim of a reprisal. Only two people have gone through the whole process, and he is never once found in favor of whistleblowers. So a lot of people say this is a, a terrible process, basically whistleblower protection and name only doesn't really exist and MPs who are very interested in tracking where the money has gone and if there is you know, cases of collusion or wrongdoing uh, they really want whistleblowers to come forward and they want to allow them to feel safe doing that and so one of the things that is going to happen next week is the conservatives are going to uh, try to retable a report that actually majority of liberals <laughs> passed um, in 2017, calling on the Liberal government to change the law. And it was something that the Treasury Board President at the time, Scott Bryson, agreed, but he never did. And so the Liberals, or sorry, the Conservatives here and the NDP are hoping to put the Liberals' feet to the fire on this and finally get some real whistleblowing protection in the public service. All right. Going to be very interesting to watch how that unfolds. Thank you for sharing that. Althea, I appreciate you joining us today. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much, Mark. I appreciate you, too. Have a great long weekend. That's HuffPost Canada's Ottawa Bureau Chief, Althea Raj. Once people start getting vaccinated, they're going to want uh, to be getting back to normal more and more quickly. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Thomas Walcom argues we should prepare for the long haul. Walcom writes, The favoured storyline of the pandemic hinges on perseverance. We are told that if we can just keep it up for a few more weeks, 
we will be able to vaccinate almost everyone. We still know little about the COVID-19 virus, but one thing that is becoming clear is its ability to mutate into new strains. If the virus's ability to mutate is faster than our ability to create new vaccines, then the standard storyline is in real trouble. The Prime Minister encourages us by saying the nightmare will soon be over, but he is almost certainly wrong. At ctvnews.ca, Don Martin argues the provinces are failing as rapid testing moves at glacial speed. Martin writes, More than 95% of Canada's COVID-19 rapid test kits remain locked up in provincial government storage. Premiers flick the on-off switch on lockdowns with knee-jerk regularity, and they fume at vaccine delays, which cannot be reversed. But we could reclaim this summer if rapid testing was widely deployed, pending full and effective herd vaccination in the fall. There will be no rapid return to normal in 2021 if provinces keep stockpiling the test solution. In the National Post, Jesse Klein considers why some American states are so much better at vaccinations than Canadian provinces. Klein writes, One thing the U.S. government did was start planning early. The U.S. Centers for Disease Control publicly released its vaccine distribution plan early in the fall and actively worked with states to come up with their own. While the federal Liberals have certainly made mistakes when it comes to ensuring Canada has an adequate vaccine supply, shortages at this stage in the game were always to be expected. At some point, we will start receiving larger shipments of vaccines. The big question is whether the provinces will be ready to effectively deliver them. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The Prime Minister will hold his regular Friday media availability at Rideau Cottage. Also today, the Prime Minister will join Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bibeau at a virtual meeting with members of the Dairy Farmers of Canada. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will participate virtually in the G7 Finance Ministers and Central Bank Governors meeting, followed by a meeting with representatives from the International Monetary Fund. Later in the day, she'll be joined by the Associate Minister of Finance, Mona Fortier, at a meeting with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, Big City Mayor's Caucus. Innovation Minister François-Philippe Champagne will speak about support to boost manufacturing businesses in Quebec. Small Business Minister Mary Ng will attend a virtual infrastructure event. And Special Representative for the Prairies, Jim Carr, will make a virtual announcement in Calgary. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Friday, February the 12th. Tune in to Primetime Politics Weekend on CPAC for coverage of all the week's events. Our podcast returns Monday morning. Have a great weekend.